This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He put, oh, he's going hard. Welcome, everyone, to the Republic of Football. I am your producer, Mallory Hartley, inside the studio alone, I guess, acting as a host today. Our college football insider, Mike Craven, is on the other line, back from vacation, sort of, I guess. You're not in studio, but you're back from vacation. Craven, how are you? I am back from vacation, doing uh, road work this week, was at UTSA on Monday, Texas State on Tuesday, kind of compiling some magazine stuff, some podcast interviews, so uh, it's right. It's back to uh, being on the road with spring practice getting going. Does it still feel like you're on vacation since you're not really in the office, but you're, you're still working, you know? No, not really. See, the interesting thing about the not being in the office deal, I hadn't I haven't had to be in the office for over 10 years of my life. Right? I guess that's like, true. I've, I've never been asked to go to the office at a newspaper when I was working at Rivals. And so I'm pretty used to, to being able to work from home. Everybody else got used to it during the pandemic, but that, that's right. how my life has always been. Right. Well, Ish is in San Antonio this week covering the UIL Boys State Basketball Tournament. Um, he's got you covered on TexasFootball.com or rather TexasBasketball.com. Uh, so make sure to check that out. Today, we've got an interview with a head coach later in today's episode. But first, let's go ahead and dive into some headlines that have happened over the past two weeks, because I guess we haven't done a, a, an episode in the past couple weeks. So as you guys probably know, the NFL Combine happened last week, and there were some Texas stars uh, that performed really well and stood out. Some names that... We took note of Baylor cornerback Kalen Barnes. A Silsby native ran a 4-2-3 to record the second fastest time in NFL Combine history. UTSA cornerback Tyreek Woolen ran a 4-2-6 to record the sixth fastest time in NFL Combine history. And then we also had Baylor wide receiver Tyquan Thornton who ran a 4-2-8. And the top 340 times at the 2022 Combine were actually Kalen Barnes, Tyreek Woolen and Tyquan Thornton actually in that order. So we got three Texas stars all in that order, the top 40 times from the NFL Combine. That's that's pretty cool. So three Texas guys yeah. taking the cake. Yeah, it's pretty crazy how, how much that happened. And, you know, you add – you go back and you add Marquise Goodwin's mm-hmm. 4.27 in 2013, and I think three out of the fastest eight times ever re- re- uh, recorded on a 40 at the NFL Combine are, are Texas guys. So – yeah, it just kind of shows the speed and kind of the depth of talent um, within uh, this state. And what's interesting is those names you're listed, you know, none, none of those are surefire first-round guys, right? Right. Like Kalen Barnes, um, you know, wasn't considered like a top three-round pick. You know, Wooten will be lucky lucky to get drafted in the second round. I think that's probably where his, his ceiling is. So those guys really went in there and put up some numbers that are going to help uh, their draft stock a lot. You mentioned Thornton as well. You know, those kind of numbers, yeah, sure, they don't mean everything, right? Just running a fast 40 doesn't mean you're a great football player. But if all things are equal and you're sitting there drafting the second, third, fourth round 
and you think those two guys are pretty similar football players, but one, you know, runs a superb 40 yard dash and has that element of speed. I think you're going to lean that way a little bit. And then a, a note on, uh, on Wooten's uh, 4.26 is actually the fastest ever by somebody over six feet and somebody over by somebody over 200 pounds. Sheesh. So he's, he's the biggest guy to ever run a sub four, a sub 4.3 at the combine. It's always crazy to go back and look at the results from those combines. And my favorite thing to do is always to find the, the quickest lineman. Because you go down the list and you're <laughs> like, who's the biggest dude on here that can run like under four or under, you know, whatever. But it's really, it's really cool. I think that I think I found like a tight end, you know, in the in the top mix. But it's really cool to, to see how fast those guys can be. The, the freak show, Jordan Davis, that big defensive tackle from Georgia who weighs like 350 pounds, he ran like a 4.7 or 4.8, like something Jeez. absurd for being that big. It's like a real-life grizzly bear. Right. Out. Yeah, I'm running away from that. <laughs> if he's coming at me, I'm running the opposite direction. I don't know if you can. You may not make it very far. <laughs> no, I'm not. I wouldn't, for sure. <laughs> and moving on, spring ball will be starting in a – few weeks I guess pretty soon for a couple of these st- uh, schools then rest will be starting when spring break I guess ends with new tenures at SMU TCU and Texas Tech they're all under super close watch and Craven you wrote down some of the year biggest question marks you know uh, heading into the spring to watch for these three teams yeah, I think spring ball is, is obviously important for everybody, but especially important for, for coaches who are first year on the job at, the, at their new university. Because you're not, you're not just getting to go in and just start you know, working on the playbook and working on details. you got to teach guys how you want them to practice, what the right. expectations are. you got to start putting in some offense, some defense. So for me at, at TCU, the biggest question I have going forward is how they're going to fix that front seven. You know, Sonny Dykes, known as an offensive coach, I don't know if offense was really the major problem for TCU. It was that, that run defense. They allowed 5.8 yards a rush, and they gave up 34 rushing touchdowns on the year. So that has to get fixed, and that's going to start in the spring. Just identifying who you have and who you need. That way, you know, once spring practice ends, you get to go, okay, we feel pretty good about this position and that position, but we're not good here. Let's go fill that in the transfer portal over the summer. So that, that's what I'm looking for at TCU. At Texas Tech, I really think the quarterback battle is going to be interesting with yeah. with a guy like Zach Kitley and the offense that he runs. He was most recently at Western Kentucky. He was also at Houston Baptist. Really pass happy offense the last couple of years, but that may be uh, because he had Bailey Zappi at quarterback. We'll see more if it gets more to like a fifty fifty kind of run pass issue. Is it going to be Tyler Shuck? Is it going to be Baron Morton? Donovan Smith played really well at the end of last year. Who's that guy going to be that emerges as the guy? Because you want that. I think coming out of spring, you know, this will go for Texas as well with the the Quinn Ewers-Hudson card battle. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, coaches are going to say, hey, this job is going to be open through the summer and even into fall camp. But I, I think behind the scenes, the players should know after spring who that guy is. And if they don't, that probably means a bigger problem. So for Texas Tech, I think they try to find their guy by the end of spring practice. And then SMU I find truly fascinating because at least Sonny Dykes has been a head coach. Joey McGuire, maybe not at the college level, he's been a head coach before. This is the first time for Rhett Lashley. So can the Mustangs keep the momentum rolling, specifically in Dallas, that it built over the last few years with Dykes? What is that offense going to look like? It should be pretty familiar you know, to a lot of the players because he was the OC there mm-hmm. uh, for a couple of years. What is the defense going to look like? You know, Just trying to find that identity and what SMU is going to be this next year I think is going to be interesting, and the groundwork for that starts here in spring ball. And so out of those three teams, who do you think is going to find the most success if you're looking into the 2022 season? 
Well, uh, that's a tremendous question. I honestly think Texas Tech on paper may have the best squad. Right. Uh, they were really good towards the end of the year. We saw what they did to Mississippi State in that bowl game. They beat Iowa State. They were you know, a field goal chance away from 50 yards to go into overtime with Baylor uh, to spoil their Big 12 title hope. So I really do think Texas Tech has a pretty good roster. TCU has a ways to go defensively. That's going to be all about the transfer portal. And then I'd imagine SMU is about what they were this year, you know, eight and three, eight and four. Um, and so they should be pretty good. I don't know if they can compete for a conference title right away, though. Right. Well, I guess without further ado, we'll, we'll move on to the cake of this uh, podcast today. Craven, who'd you talk to this week? I talked to my man, Jeff Trailer, head coach of the University of Texas San Antonio Roadrunners. Uh, I think a, a pretty fun conversation got him to talk about basketball, got him into the MJ versus LeBron debate, uh, kind of talked about his upbringing on a farm out in Gilmer, and just different stuff about his life that kind of got him to this job. And he was pretty honest and open with us. We had a great conversation, and I hope everybody who's listening enjoys it. All right, let's get into it. Here is Mike Craven with the head coach of those UTSA Roadrunners, Jeff Trailer on the Republic of Football. So, Coach, uh, I want to start with a softball here. I know you're a basketball guy. You like to play basketball. You're a basketball fan. So the question I was asked to ask you is, who is the GOAT and why? Michael Jordan or LeBron James? I hear that's a point of contention in the UTSA football locker rooms. Yeah, I have a lot of fun with it, obviously because of the generation I grew up in. I'm very fond of Michael. Uh, my son has named Jordan Michael trailer so I even named my oldest child he, he was just such a ferocious competitor and uh, I, I was kind of like him at a young age I I didn't care who was mad at me who was angry I just wanted to win at all costs and now that I look back at it, it's kind of embarrassing uh, that I was that much of a competitor uh, but I do have an unbelievable appreciation for LeBron James I'm going tonight uh, it's completely sold out here in San Antonio, but I'm going to be there. And I, I watched him Saturday night, and that was just incredible to go for over 56, I think he had. Whatever it was, it was crazy, especially at 37 years of age. So I have a tremendous uh, respect for both, obviously. Uh, it got so heated on my team last year that I had to settle it. So we went ahead and just went ahead and picked the top 10 all-time greatest and uh, even the younger generation, I, I finally convinced them that Mike was the GOAT, and we got, we won by two. And they now they think I rigged the vote, but I honestly didn't. Uh, we had uh, Mike at one, uh, LeBron at two, we had Kobe at three. Now in San Antonio, if you don't have Duncan in the top five, you're gonna get fired. So we, we put Duncan in the top five for sure. And I hear you like to play basketball. So what is the scouting report on Jeff Trailer, the basketball player? Um, uh, he's basically set shot Sally at this time of his career. Uh, Bruce Bowen type. I, uh, we imply COVID rules on me at all time. They have to have social distancing of at least six feet. If they violate that, it's a foul. Automatically, they're suspended from lunch basketball. So the guys know the rules. I don't think I'm as bad as saving about playing the head coaching card when it comes to basketball. But, uh, yeah, COVID Rules apply. Social distancing at all time on Coach Trailer. Uh, you know, fade away still okay. Um, the old Kevin McHale up and under, but there's just too much contact down there, so I don't get down there much anymore. Uh, but I do love to play, and I love to be around my guys and watch them play. And uh, if I had 
lived in another state, maybe Indiana or Kentucky, you know, I might have been a basketball coach. I was a basketball coach in Texas for 10 years. I was a head basketball coach for four and an assistant for six. And I love hoops. And it's probably been one of my things that's helped my career the most in Jacksonville, working for Danny Long. The McCallans all love to hoop. So me, Josh, Randy, and Luke, we played all the time, even with their father, Pat. Uh, and I was so close to all their receivers because I played basketball with them all the time. So those receivers would all follow me back down to the football field, and I'd coach them down there as well. So uh, a lot of respect for basketball players and still love to hoop. I've heard you kind of talk a little bit about, like, you love basketball, but life is football. Can you kind of explain a little bit about that, like how why life is more about football than it is basketball? I, I believe where those beliefs come from is just – from my experience of doing it. Like I never had to talk a kid and go to basketball practice. They love to go to basketball practice. It's about 90 minutes long to you know two hours. You're indoors. Kids love to shoot and score. Uh, football's more like life. You know, Life is hard. And uh, it's a lot like the way the games play. We get paid like on Fridays in high school, Saturdays in college, Sundays in the NFL. So we, you know, generally speaking, we all get paid once a week Mm-hmm. And the other six days are a grind. And that's kind of like football. You know, football practice is tough. It's outside. It's physical. It hurts. Uh, you don't get the ball very much. Only a few of the guys get the ball. Uh, most of the time you're doing something for a greater cause. You're a small piece in a large cog, which is like a church. It's like a city government, school board, family. Uh, I've just found that to be more lifelike. Uh, than maybe basketball, but I, I know I enjoyed basketball practice much more as a player than I did football practice. Uh, so probably like a lot of us, our life experiences are what shape uh, some of our beliefs. Baseball is the easiest practice. I used to have like McDonald's, you know, like peanut M and M's in my back pocket and stuff like that. That was that was the best practice, no doubt. Uh, you grew up on a farm in Gilmer, Texas. Yes, sir. I'm curious what parts of your personality you think were kind of molded the most of that kind of experience? Before uh, even we moved to Gilmer, uh, we lived in Dangerfield, um, and we had a farm there as well. And, you know, you just, when you, I, I still remember it, it was like my junior year of high school when my mother told my father, there's three boys in our family, uh, me being the oldest, Kurt being the middle, and Andy being the youngest. I remember my mother vividly saying, you're either gonna get some help for these boys or we're moving in town because there's too much going on for them to be feeding that many cattle, that many horses, you know, goats. My dad had it all. And you're repairing fences, you're bailing hay, you're hauling hay, uh, you know, you're building ponds, you know, you're having to treat the animals. So we did so much work before we ever went to school uh, and then you went to school, and of course you had practice, then you had homework, then you had to take care of your animals as well. So uh, I give a lot of credit you know, to our work ethic um, because of that. And uh, that's where I would say I learned the most, is just work. You know, we, we always cut firewood uh, when it was cold. Uh, my dad was an educator, and my mother was as well. So raising three boys, you're trying to just make it month to month, check to check. So we threw the newspaper. I can remember doing that. My dad, Back in the day, my dad threw the newspaper and I was his little thrower and 
if I didn't get it right on the sidewalk up against the door, I had to get out and go put the paper up there a little closer. Uh, so I, I believe all that has really helped uh, all three of us boys uh, with a work ethic. Uh, and I know I sound old uh, by talking about all those old-fashioned values, but uh, the best part of our day was football practice, basketball practice. It was easier. When we got to the farm, yeah. it, it was, you know, my dad had usually in a bad mood because he'd been working all day and animals are frustrated, you know, because they have their mind of their own. They've always torn up something. They're always into something they're not supposed to be. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's a lot of my raising. I, I know this since I, we got off that farm, uh, Jeff Trader has not been out there purchasing any of them. I've, <laughs> I've, I've served my time. Yeah. I, uh, I've always hated patching fences. That was, that was the thing I hated the most. Yeah. And then digging them with post hole diggers yeah. and, uh, when the ground was so dang hard and then we're trying to tell him, you know, that there's no way he's like, you just keep hitting it. It'll eventually go in there. And that, yeah, that was, that was those are long days. My dad, when I was a kid, our hands would grow too fast to get gloves and stuff. So we just, he would put socks over us yep. for the, for the postal. Yep. Yep. So I, I think mine is just the calluses on my hand. Uh, so you grew up in Gilmer, played football at Gilmer. And then you were head coach at Gilmer for 15 years. So my question is, like, what percentage of people in Gilmer do you know on a first-name basis? You know, it's a great question. It'd be very high. Uh, and that was also the beauty of that job and the curse of that job because uh, I was still Jeff. Uh, even through all those years, right. uh, I was just Jeff. I was, I was not Coach Trailer to many people in that town. And, uh, but that was also the beauty of the job. Uh, because they could talk bad about me, uh, but nobody else could. Uh, we were literally like family, and they all helped me in every situation. But it was you were helping Jeff. You weren't really helping Coach Trailer. Well, when we were at the Piney Woods Classic, you know, Coach Stein was there, Coach Griffin was the, was there, and they said y'all went through uh, Gilmer. How how long? Like, what's the quickest you can get through the town of Gilmer? four hours like <laughs> yeah we were there a long time they definitely misbudgeted our time uh we went down to la finca just for lunch uh which is kind of the little spot to go to and you know what should be an hour lunch was it easily a two and a half hour lunch just because so many people you know in the restaurant knew who i was and and it's 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 always fun to go home and it's you know it's a little far from here you know it's probably five and a half six hours so it's not an easy trip to make anymore uh, and there's really no good way to get to East Texas. You know, it's just you can go the back way or interstate, and it still takes a, a good a moment of your time. There's no really place to fly into. So you fly to Dallas, you still got to drive two, two and a half hours. So don't get to go home near as much as I'd like to, um, but it is special when I get to go home. Both your parents were educators. How early in your life did you decide not only to be an educator, but to be a football coach? That's where I was also blessed. I, that's all I've ever wanted to do. Um, in my high school uh, yearbook, the, it, where it says, where will you be in 10 years? It says in their biggest doubts, I'm going to be the head coach of the Gilmer Buckeyes. Now, I didn't make it in 10, uh, but I was around 12 years. So uh, that's what I've always wanted to do. It was a dream of mine to go back and give our kids at Gilmer uh, something that I, I honestly didn't think we got as players. Uh, we were not a, a program. Uh, we won a lot in junior high, didn't win much in high school, a lot of talent, uh, kind of a city divided. And uh, that's what the power of football can do. You know, when we got that thing rolling, nobody cared anymore if we were black, 
white or brown. We were all orange and black. Nobody cared if we went to the Mormon church, the First Baptist church, the Methodist church, Church of Christ. We were all Buckeyes. Nobody cared if we were Republican, Democrat, undecided. We were all Buckeyes. Uh, football has a unique ability to bring an entire town together. So, whether it's band, the choir, the singing the national anthem, the cheerleaders, the pom-pom squad, the dancers, uh, it doesn't matter. ROTC, FFA, everybody's involved in the football game. That's what I find, again, so unique about that sport is its ability to unite an entire city, uh, state, or even country. Uh, that's how much this country loves football. I was uh, I was asked to ask you, when's the last time you missed a workout? Well, you know, when I turned 30, it didn't even bother me at all. Uh, I thought I was still young, had hair, you know. When I turned 40, it didn't really bother me. I still thought I was that guy. I could still hoot with any of them. Uh, but when I got close to 50, uh, when I turned 49, uh, it, it it really started bothering me. I, not that I felt old, just that sounded the old. Number. And uh, I I went to I went to work, and uh, I bet since I've turned forty nine, I, I would hate to guess, uh, but I bet I haven't missed a handful of workouts in the last five years. I am, you know, you're either gonna pay for it now or pay for it later. And I've just made my mind up that I give all my guys off 90 minutes for lunch. Um, and I want them working out. And you can recruit while you're working out. Uh, I'm on the elliptical for 15 minutes, so I can recruit that whole time. Uh, I lift for about 30 to 40 minutes, so you can recruit in between sets. Uh, I'm going to get back on the treadmill for about two to three miles for you know 15 to 25, 30 minutes, somewhere in there. So I go, I sprint or run for about 60 to 75 seconds, then I walk for about 45 to 60. So I text during the 45 to 60. Uh, so I get recruiting done, uh, listen to audible books, uh, listen to podcasts. So you can, you, can, you can do some stacking, some habits. You can get a couple of things done at one time. And I really tried to be an example for my coaching staff, but more than anything else, uh, turning 50, uh, rock my world a little bit. I asked Joey McGuire the same question, and he said when he was going to first interview with Baylor for an assistant coach job, his wife Debbie was like, why are you even doing this? You're not leaving Cedar Hill. Was that similar? Did you kind of, when you were kind of thinking about leaving Gilmer and you ended up at Texas, was there kind of some, the people around you going, you're not, you're not going to ever leave Gilmer? And, and what was it that made you want that new challenge? It was the hardest decision I ever made in my life. I'd had you know, six or seven opportunities, no power five offers, uh, but group of five offers uh, during that time of my career. Uh, my children were just so young and I was teaching on Sunday school and coaching them in upwards basketball, coaching them in little league baseball. I just never had the right opportunity and, and the pay cut on it obviously was pretty tremendous, believe it or not. Uh, when you're a Texas high school football coach, my wife was an administrator, uh, it just never made really sense. Uh, but when Charlie called, it felt a little different. I felt it in my soul in 14. I just felt it in my gut that God was doing something with me. Uh, I honestly thought at the time it might have been Chad Morris at SMU. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't know where. I just felt like it was going to happen. And uh, But even then, 
I didn't want to do it. I lived next door to my brother who had four children. We lived on a lake in Gilmer. They were named in the stadium after me. Uh, and I loved those people so much. Uh, it was home. Uh, but my wife, um, I'll give her a lot of credit on this. The, I had to let Charlie know. He offered me the job on Wednesday. He gave me to Friday at lunch. To Friday is morning to let him know. And um, my wife said to me, she's like, Jeff, you, you've always told all these kids at Gilmer that they can do anything from this town. You have such a great example right now. Uh, you were you were basically raised in the town your entire life. You graduated from here. You've come home, done all you can do at your hometown. Why not show those kids they can go to the University of Texas? From there, you can become a head coach. Who knows what you can do after that? And uh, I mean, it's like three o'clock in the morning on Friday, and we're, we're still having this talk. And I'm I'm the crier in the family, and she's not. And I was just crying and upset because I I didn't want to go, but I knew I needed to go. And uh, somehow there was a song uh, by Toby Mac that I guess I was turning my phone to see what time it was, and it's a song called Beyond Me. And it's, it's basically a song about how God takes a, someone that's very comfortable in warm water, warm environment, and takes him and does something beyond him. And I, I, that song went off at just randomly. And I told my wife, I'm like, look, with my wife telling me I need to do this and Toby Mac coming on my phone, it's probably, I don't, I don't believe in signs per se, but that pretty much, and I, I'm really glad. I learned a lot from Charlie. I still love Charlie. He's a good friend of mine. He's a great human being, and uh, I'm, I'm glad I did it. And it was a rough five years now to get here, uh, but I'm really glad how it's all turned out. Do you think it may, would you have been able to do this job as well had you gone straight from Gilmer head coach to college head coach? How much did that assistant kind of taking that step back a little bit help you kind of recalibrate? Another great question. Uh, you know, even more than that, I had just won the Big 12 Recruiter of the Year when the UTSA job came open, and I really wanted this job, and I applied for it, and they hired Frank Wilson, and I was upset because I was like, how could you not hire me from Texas? Uh, it just didn't make sense. And I was thrilled for Frank because Frank was a high school coach as well, and I wanted Frank to get his chance. Uh, but as I look back, I was not ready for this thing. Getting four more years of being an assistant was invaluable to me. Uh, just learning, uh, watching Charlie and watching Chad and seeing the way they did things and just learning the system, learning academics, compliance, recruiting. There's just, it's just different. There's a little, there's just stuff to learn along the way. So not only would I have not been ready coming out of high school, uh, I wasn't even ready after a little bit, but Charlie, I needed some more time uh, to learn some things. And I don't know if you're ever ready for your next job, uh, but I've, I'm way more prepared this time than I would have been that time. And I'll make one more point where I think colleges mess up a little bit. There is still an art and a skill of being a head coach. I mean, Joey is way more prepared for that Texas Tech job because he was the head coach of Cedar Hill all those years. I was way more prepared for this job because I was the head coach at Gilmer all those years. There's still something to handling that many grown men, that many parents, media, boosters, players, game management. That, that's just a, a tip of the iceberg, right? So uh, I think all that has come into play. And uh, not that I'm ready now, but I'm more prepared than I was 
I can promise you, you know, seven years ago, leaving Gilmer. I heard you don't watch commercials. Kind of when did that, when did that kind of start? How, how, anybody ever get annoyed with you or just push and play? And I wanted to ask, do you even do that with the Super Bowl? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I think Julian Griffin must have given me up on that because he was my roommate. You know, when I, when JC, uh, when I decided to go with Chad uh, to SMU, and uh, JC was still a senior at Lake Travis, and I didn't want to move her again because I had already moved her. She was a setter on the volleyball team, and she really loved her friends there. So I went and got an apartment in, in Highland Park, and uh, Julian was just a young coach trying to make it, and I had an empty bedroom. So I volunteered my house occasionally. Well, Julian moved in permanently every single day. Uh, so we always watched TV every night together when we get home. And all I ever did was watch sports and all usually watch football. And I just didn't understand. Again, you know, habit stacking. Why watch a commercial if you can pause a football game, rewind it, watch the play, rewind it, watch the play, rewind it, watch the play. You don't ever have to watch a commercial. So, no, I don't watch commercials. I'm a big rewinder. I am watching it in slow-mo. And uh, I'm now what's funny is I have – Julian has made fun of me for years about that. And Carrie found out about it, my wife. And now they've tagged up on me, and I'm at the house. If I if she catches me pausing and rewinding, pausing and rewinding, I'm like, why do you two want to watch commercials? What is there about a commercial you'd want to watch? So that's true. Guilty as charged. How long does it take you to watch a normal football game? Um, like if you were to sit and watch, a, let's say, a three-hour football game, how long does it take Jeff Trailer to do it because of all the rewinding? If I'm by myself? Yeah. Uh, it, it'd be six hours, but I've usually got my son with me or, you know, my coaches and they're all annoyed and I'm driving them crazy. Uh, I just love ball. Uh, you know, this is my 32nd year and there are not many of those days that have felt like work. Uh, the adults, uh, are sometimes tough, mm -hmm. but the children are fantastic. I've never had a bad day with kids. Now the kids make mistakes, they're knuckleheads, they do it every day. But the adults should know better. And, and the kids, that's what I'm here to help mold them. So 32 years, it's been a blessing. I really love ball. And uh, most Super Bowls now, you ask the question about the Super Bowl, you know, you're with people. So you just kind of got to go with what they do. They don't even watch the game. They're just well, laughing I, the and The reason I ask because the commercials are such an important part of the Super Bowl experience to people. So That's a great – and, you know, I will. I've learned to quit being that guy. Uh, and, you know, I did not think the Super Bowl commercials were very good this year. I was highly disappointed. But the Super Bowl halftime, uh, I might be dating myself, uh, but when you grow up like we did with, with Dre and Snoop, I mean, that was, that was pretty special. That was and cool. I, I did enjoy that. I have some of uh, my favorite sayings of yours written down because I don't know if there's anybody that I talk to that is better at turning a phrase. Don't major in the minors. My yes is my yes. My no is my no. Don't eat the cheese. My wife is hotter than fish grease. I heard the new one is bull don't care. Kind of where did where did you pick up that? Is that from your parents being educators where you kind of pick up just little ways to say something that maybe sticks with people in a different way? You know, there's just so much that goes on when you coach uh, that I'm really big on kids, you know, same as. Uh, we just try to have our phrases, our words, and we go back to them you know, all the time. We don't, we, we try not to say the same thing different ways. We try to just 
you know, say things the same way. I would imagine a lot of that's just my country upbringing. Uh, you know, I really don't know. I, I, I couldn't tell you. I would imagine if you were to, you know, one of my favorite ones, there's more, you know, I got a ton of them. I, my, my players can, they, 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 they call them traitorisms, whatever, right. you know, uh, common sense is not so common, you know, Benjamin Franklin. It, it, it shocks me, the lack of common sense that's in just the game of football. And, and again, to your question earlier, probably being raised on a farm dealing with animals, uh, you got to use a lot of common sense. And, and sometimes you got you got to teach to the lowest denominator, not the highest denominator. And in education, that's frowned upon because you're supposed to teach to the highest, right? But when you're dealing with animals, you better make sure the lowest knows what's going on. So, uh, yeah, a lot of those sayings are... Just stuff through the years also. I have a ton of respect for coaches, and I've heard some great ones through the years, so I'm probably mimicked, stole, copied. I don't think I've ever had an original thought in my entire life. I One of the th- best things you've ever told me was the starfish poem story, that your mom gave you a poem about the starfish. Do you mind kind of talking about what that poem says and why it stuck with you so much? Yeah, my mom gave me that when I was young. Um, it's just about a, a man walking down a beach and he would just keep throwing a starfish out in the ocean and some old grippy, you know, person up there said, you're not gonna save all those starfish. And the man responded, yeah, but I just saved that one. And uh, that's that's what a football team is. We, we use that analogy today. We, we really, today, it was our culture pillars win the day today. And uh, we showed off Tariq from yesterday, Spencer and Sincere. And we celebrated those three. But we made the point to our kids, we also had 30 players that graduated in that class. And Mr. 27 kids that were not on that screen. They're just as important. They're just as valuable to our football team. The key is that you get all you could out of what you were given. If you did, you're a winner. You might not be in the combine. You might not make an NFL team. But did you get all you could out of what you were given? And that's what we're trying to get done. That's what saving a starfish is. And then lastly, you know, if I came to you in December of 2019 and said UTSA is going to be 19-7, and 12-3 in conference, win a conference championship, go to two bowls in your first two years, in the middle of a pandemic and all the other stuff that's gone on, you say what back to me? And we went 12-1 and at home, yeah, which is, you know, I would have, I would say, you know, make sure your dreams are so large that your prayer life has to match it is what I would say because uh, God can't hit a straight lick with a crooked stick, and I'm living proof of it. And uh, it, it's literally beyond me uh, to steal Toby Max line. Um, when you hire people that are extremely intelligent and they have a deep love for children and and you can reach students. You can reach the student athlete. Anything is possible. Now, let's be honest. Out of those 19 wins, 17 of them came down to the last play of the game. Now, I could also turn that back around and to say, you know, of our, own, of our seven losses, every one of those could have been wins. This college football deal, which is why we wanted to get in it so much, it's so close. At Gilmer, let's be honest. When we rolled out there, we were better than 90% of the teams, right? So Coach Trader just didn't need to mess it up. Here, it's so fair. I mean, 
obviously the, the power fives have more than maybe the group of fives, but when you're in that group of five league, it's all so close. And even the power fives, there's probably 25 of them that are different, and the rest of us aren't that far apart. So it all comes down to just literally one play, just hanging in there. And it's, it's been a, a blessing, uh, especially in the city of San Antonio, being a Texas high school football coach. Uh, I feel that. Like, I want our fraternity to be proud of what we've done. It's intentional that we've hired seven Texas high school football coaches on our staff. It was intentional. Like, I knew that night we played in the bowl game. I knew I had 23 kids out. I was torn whether whether the THSCA cap, you know, that night. Because I thought I was going to embarrass my buddies. And I was just glad my kids hung in there. We at least didn't get embarrassed. Because I wasn't going to forfeit. I wasn't going to tap out. We were going to play the game. If we only had one quarterback and one tailback, we were going to play. And uh, it just just mattered to me. Thank you, Coach. Appreciate it a lot. Again, thank you to UTSA head coach Jeff Trailer for taking the time to sit down with us and to kind of just talk about life, really, because that's the purpose of, of these interviews is to not really talk about, you know, details about, you know, what your offense going to look like, you know, what's your defense, how's your schedule going to be. It's just kind of just to get to know them as a person. Yeah, I mean, I think at press conferences, you normally we only get head coaches at press conferences and at designated speaking things, and there's just – there's too much going on. Everybody's got a job. Everybody's got a story to write. So you can't sit there and ask questions like, you know, hey, coach, when's the last time you missed a workout? Right. And get a and get a cool answer about how, you know, when he turned 49, it sounded old and to where he wanted to start getting in a better mm-hmm. shape because he knew 50 was around the corner. I thought that was funny because for me, that was 35. Like when I hit <laughs> 35, it was like, oh, OK, I'm halfway to 70. I need to start doing this now rather than wait right. until later when it's, when it's a little too late. So just to kind of get them to open up, I think was fun. And, you know, I mentioned this in the article. I, I don't know if I enjoy anybody's like turn of phrases more than coach trailers. Like he just has a way of saying something that like sounds really unique and profound, but it's a very simple and like understandable way uh, to talk about stuff. And so uh, just kind of talking to him about, uh, different sayings that he has and his trailerisms, as as his uh-huh. players call it, was uh, was a fun thing. And he he mentioned that he likes to play basketball too. So how about we get him and Seth Luttrell together for a for a quick pickup game? Because Luttrell I, I likes to play basketball makes, too. I, I, I think Trailer may smoke him on the basketball court. Luttrell's <laughs> got him in a wrestling match. You know, it did lead me to start thinking about like if we were gonna do like a. Like, let's say we were playing a basketball game with only head coaches from the state of Texas. That'd be a who good article. Would be, who would be your number one pick? You know, I always, I, I kind of always lean like towards Spavadol or maybe Sarkeesian just because, you know, Spav's young, Sark right. is, uh, Sark's pretty tall. I think Jeff Trailer may be the right answer when it comes to basketball. It sounds like yeah. he's a pretty intense basketball player. He's big, too. Like, I, yeah, put, yeah, put him yeah, down no, by the post. No, like, no. he's, he's good to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, let's go ahead and get into some of those questions about the state of the UTSA program and kind of what to expect from this next season. First, we got, you know, running back Sincere McCormick. He declared for the NFL draft. He had really an outstanding career at UTSA. He was named Conference USA Offensive Player of the Year, a finalist for the Oral Earl Campbell Tyler Rose Award, and the list really goes on and on. So how does UTSA replace the production of McCormick on offense? You know, I, I'm of the opinion that they're going to have to do it committee-wise rather than just one guy, right? You're mm-hmm. not going to have somebody just step in and, and all of a sudden be, 
you know, a guy who can be a conference USA player of the year and your program's all time leading rusher, you're going to have to go um, to different spots, find different guys. They got to, they got to do it out of Juco. That's going to be pretty good. They got some high school guys behind the scenes, but I, I do think it's going to be more of a passing offense. This is going to be more about Frank Harris and the wide receivers this year. But ever since, you know, back in the Gilmer days for, for coach trailer, you know, he's been a guy who likes to run the football. He mm-hmm. wants that to be an identity, and you, and you need that physicality to be an identity. So maybe they don't run the ball as much as they had in years past with Sincere McCormick, but they're still going to run the football. When you got four out of five, you know, returners on offense on the offensive line coming back, you just got to find two or three guys that you feel comfortable with, and hopefully you can come close to that production of last year. Well, and I even think that the passing game looked pretty good last year. I feel like they were – kind of overlooked because of how good sincere McCormick and their run game was and you got Frank Harris coming back so you can you can kind of rely on that as well yeah that, that's another good point is you know Frank Harris gives you a little bit of that in the run game this is going to be his last year right. at UTSA obviously so you know maybe you use his legs purposefully a little bit more a lot of times it feels like you know he you know trailer made the joke that you know he's never been a good enough coach not to have a, a running quarterback mm-hmm. you know you, you got you got to have somebody who on third and four when it's not there can go and pick you something up unscripted maybe without sincere back there we see a little bit more of the offense using frank's legs you know on design plays and that takes a little pressure off the running back position as well right moving on to the other side how does utsa replace the production of clarence hicks on defense and dude that that's going to be tough he had like 10 plus sacks 37 total tackles on the year he's going to be a tough linebacker to replace yeah, I still think it's a travesty that he didn't win Conference USA Defensive Player yep. of the Year. He was yep. excellent, uh, set the school record for sacks. Uh, and what, what was remarkable about it is he didn't have a sack the year before. You know, he, he led the team with pressures, but he never turned them into sacks. And he worked all offseason to kind of improve his ability to close on, on those pressures than he was. It's going to be tough for UTSA. I honestly think I could make an argument that it will be harder to replace Clarence Hicks on defense than it will be Sincere McCormick on offense. And I know that sounds crazy, because of the numbers McCormick put up. Mm-hmm. But I do think running backs and the running game in general is a lot predicated on your offensive line as much as your running back. Whereas when you're talking about pass rush, a lot of that's just individual ability, right? right. You either can get after the quarterback and sack them or you can't. Trying to find another guy to do that is going to be very difficult. I do think at that position, Dadrian Taylor is a really good player who's played a lot and who's better in coverage than Clarence Hicks, so I think they'll be fine from a schematic standpoint. It's just figuring out how to get those sacks because, you know, not only does the sacks, you know, sacks are basically punts, right? They're turnovers. They, right. they put you behind the sticks. Now it's third and 14. Now you're, now you're fourth down, you punt the ball. Or now it's third and 14, you got to force a ball. Now it's an interception. So sacks are a huge part of the modern game with how much, you know, teams pass. And Hicks is going to be a dude that they're going to have to replace. And I, I don't know if we'll know that answer until a month into the season. It may be a little trial and error and see who that guy who steps up will be. Right. Last season, UTSA wins Conference USA, beating Western Kentucky in the Conference USA Championship. So can they remain atop the conference, maybe for their last year in Conference USA? Yeah, I don't know why not. You know, it's going to be a a difficult start to the season for UTSA, and we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I I do think the conference, you know, sets up pretty well. Western Kentucky, who was clearly the second-best team in the conference last year, they're going to take a step back without having Bailey Zappi, without having Zach Kitley as their offensive coordinator. Jarrett Stearns off to the NFL as well. Uh, Marshall may or may not even be in Conference USA, right, with all with, you know, Mm -hmm. what's going on with the Sun Belt and stuff like that. Um, and so, you know, you're left with like UAB 
you know, North Texas could be pretty sneaky. You know, I, I don't know. I think UTSA will clearly be the favorite for the conference championship because they're returning their quarterback mm-hmm. and so many guys on, on offense for them, it's going to be, can they figure out defense? And if they can figure out how to, how to handle that front four um, and replace some of the linebackers, some of the defensive linemen that they've lost. Yeah. I mean, I think they really should be the betting favorite to win conference USA and anything, uh, anything less than a conference USA title game appearance will feel a little bit like a disappointment. Right. I think, yeah, like you said, they have a lot of production coming back. Uh, I think we actually put out an article that ranked the 12 FBS Texas schools returning the most production, and UTSA ranks fourth behind TCU, North Texas, and SMU. But, yeah, I think that's they've got a great chance of, of repeating that. Let's talk about some expectations of this UTSA program heading into the 2022 season, and I think they're they're pretty high. Uh, let's kind of talk about that non that non-conference schedule that appears to be pretty tough. So first game of the season, they host Houston. It's going to be a tough one. Then they travel to Army. Then they play at Texas in Austin. And then they get a little bit of a break coming back home playing Texas Southern at the Alamo Dome. That's pretty tough non-conference. I mean, there's an argument to be made that UTSA could play really good football and be 0-3 to start the year. Yeah, you know, you're that, right. That's after that's after only losing two games all all last season. One of those being a bowl game. So, you know, I, I think the expectations for UTSA have to be conference based, mm-hmm. right? It, it's not. It's almost you got to almost look at it like high school, right? Where like non district doesn't really matter. Exactly. Out of conference doesn't really matter. UTSA isn't competing for like a spot in the top four of the college football playoffs. Resume isn't a big deal. What you need to do is be healthy enough and ready to go play in Conference USA. When you're playing against Houston, who I would argue is the best G5 team in the nation next year, mm-hmm. uh, Army, who's just a difficult team to play against for obvious reasons. Their their offensive philosophy and scheme is different. A lot of those dudes are like 22, 23. Those mm-hmm. are grown men with Strong. like real responsibilities yeah. and stuff like that. Like That's a hard team to play against. Texas should be better. Say whatever you want about the University of Texas. They're going to field some guys that UTSA simply doesn't have to play against very often. Like UTSA has never gone up against a Bijan Robinson, right? You know, an Xavier Worthy. They're going to have to block a Keandre Coburn. You know, those those are just guys you don't see in Conference USA. So I, I think it's very possible that UTSA is one and two or zero oh and three after those first three weeks, and it may not look good on paper. And maybe the casual fan kind of starts, you know, worrying about, oh, what's going on with UTSA? What's going on with UTSA? You know, but I think that they could be a better team next year and have a worse record. And, and that's just something that UTSA fans are going to have to kind of get behind and understand just the life of being a G5 program mm-hmm. where you got to go take some of these games, right? Like you don't want to play at Texas, really, uh, but no. you need the money, you know? And so you, you go and you play those games. And, and, and so I just – I'm always big on expectations and setting them realistically. And I think if you're a UTSA fan, you just have to look at that non-conference schedule and go, okay, that first month of the year, everything's bonus. If, if it happens be well, tough. it happens yeah, well. Right. But if not, we're just going to focus on Conference USA. And if we can be 8-4 and four and win the Conference USA, that's fine. And looking at their conference schedule too, I mean, I don't really see a potential loss in this, uh, in this schedule. I mean, the, I think the toughest one that they had last year was Western Kentucky – but they're losing Bailey Zappi, you know? So I yeah. think really – at, at UAB, at UAB November 5th is probably the toughest game on paper. You know, it's so tough, though, because, like, who knows what these teams look like. Like, exactly. an excellent quarterback could transfer into mm-hmm. Louisiana Tech tomorrow, and it's all of a sudden like, oh, man, 
Louisiana Tech's going to be pretty good. North right. Texas figures out their quarterback situation. North Texas could be, you know, a really good team this year. So the the margins between the best and the and the middle of the pack in G five is nothing. You know, maybe there is a big gap between UTSA and say Southern Miss, but the gap between North Texas and Rice and UTEP and and UAB and Louisiana Tech and UTSA. That's not all that big. There were so many close games UTSA yes. has won over the last couple of years. And so, you know, I don't think there's this huge gap. And, and for me, it's, you know, everything on paper. Yeah, it does look like UTSA uh, could pretty much waltz through the conference schedule. But I guarantee you, you know, we get into next year and, and it gets and looks a little bit more difficult than it does right now, just because of how the transfer market can instantly change things across the, across the country. Right. We'll go into some questions that you guys asked us on Twitter. Is the quarterback position solidified, or are we going to see a little bit of Eddie Lee Marburger? Yeah, I mean, if if it's a blowout. That's what I was going to say, yeah. If if Harris gets hurt or whatever, but... Yeah, I mean he's a, he's a super senior who we voted as the you know most valuable offensive player in the state last year. I mean he was tremendous, absolutely tremendous. Coach Trailer called him to me earlier earlier this week the most improved player he's ever coached in his life. Wow, that right? should that and should so, tell you right there. <laughs> exactly. So that guy is absolutely entrenched as the starter. Not only is he the best quarterback on the roster, he's the best leader on the roster. He's a guy people uh, really you know gravitate towards and respect, and so. Unless there's a blowout going on or an, an, an injury that happens, you know, Frank Harris is, is your guy to lead the UTSA Roadrunners for 2022. And a little bit about the offensive line. What's that position going to look like? You know, you mentioned earlier that you got four out of five guys coming back on that offensive line group. So what is this unit going to look like for next season? Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to be uh, one of the strengths of the team. I, I think I would make an argument, and I said this to Jeff Trailer. Um, you know, I, I think when he took over the job, the offensive line was probably the weakest point of the program. And now you look at it, and it's got some real dudes. You know, Maka's coming back, Hart's coming back, Haynes is coming back. Those are guys who could leave mm-hmm. and probably could have gotten an invite to an NFL camp somewhere. Maybe not drafted, but at least an opportunity to go try to make a practice squad or, you know, a long shot to make a team. Those are three guys right there. You add in Kevin Davis as well. You know, the only question is who's going to play left tackle. I right. think the interior of the line is pretty good. Maybe you move the right tackle over to left tackle. Maybe you go into the transfer portal and try to find an instant starter at left tackle for you. Maybe there's a young guy on the roster that they're really excited about that emerges over the spring. So as long as they can figure out the left tackle position, I do think it's going to be one of the strengths one of the strengths of the team and one of the benefits of having an experienced quarterback is your offensive line play doesn't have to be as great mm-hmm. right like because he can get the ball out quicker he can make decisions better he can know where the weak points are in his coverage or in his blocking schemes where he can go okay I'm going to have to get the ball out here I need to roll out here the pressure is going to come from there so having Frank back there having that kind of passing attack that's going to ha- that's going to make offenses uh, or defenses struggle to really put pressure on UTSA. And uh, when you got four out of five star- starters back, if you can avoid injuries, I think it's going to be a spot that's really, really good. I think this team is going to be super fun to watch next year. And then you got Jeff Trailer's contract extension in the mix, too. You got a lot of returners. I think all in all, this team is going to be really, really fun to watch next season. And honestly, like, I really think I'm really excited for that Houston game. I know we had talked about some of the couple of games that we're excited for heading into the 2022 season we talked about that a couple of weeks ago but I think looking at it now I think that game is going to be super telling and like 
really exciting to watch that Houston UTSA game, the first game of the season. That's gonna be really fun to watch. I mean, for me, just from a personal, you know, standpoint or whatever, like I'm so blessed the first three weeks of, of next year. You, you got, uh, I guess, four. You got UTSA, Houston, Texas, Alabama, then on September 24th, TCU, SMU. Uh, Probably try to get Texas State, Baylor in between there uh, just to get a look at the Bears and stuff. So, I mean, a really good first month of the season for for fans of the state, inside the state of Texas, college football-wise. And there there is a – I think it's going to be a a really good year for the state, right? UTSA is going to compete for a conference championship. Baylor is going to compete for a conference championship. UTSA – um, may compete for a conference championship. And, uh, you know, then you got Texas and Texas A&M coming on. You know, what's that going to look like? UTEP went to a bowl game. So there's a lot of reasons to be excited, a lot of reasons to, to watch football coming up this year in the state. Well, it'll be interesting, too, because this is kind of the last season that we'll get to see these teams competing in Conference USA. Like, we're going to have a whole new shuffle of conferences and stuff coming up in the next couple of years. So this is kind of the last year that we'll see anything having anything to do with Conference USA. So, yeah, it, it is interesting, right? Like, I still feel bad for UTEP. They're kind of kind of hanging in there, out yeah. there on their own. Um, you know, I guess Sam Houston's coming up, so that'll give them a dance partner within the state. But you're right. Uh, the college landscape is changing. Who knows if it's even done changing? And so we just kind of buckle up and, and let it ride. I, I do think the good thing is, you know, a lot of those teams aren't getting separated, mm-hmm. you know, outside of UTEP, you know, like North Texas and that U, North Texas UTSA has become one of the more underweight underrated rivalries in the yes. state and a really fun contest that happens on a football field and that will continue in the American. And so, yeah, I think, I think the biggest storyline, you know, coming, coming out of next year is going to be, you know, which teams have positioned themselves to take advantage of that transition and who's going to need a couple more years to really figure that out. Right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us today. Craven, do you have a hint for next week's guy that we're going to interview? Bevo. Bevo. That's pretty That's pretty easy. We kind of just talked about it a little bit. <laughs> That'll be exciting. Super. So make sure you guys tune in to next week. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at DCTFCFB and like, rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Music and Spotify and wherever else we are. I, I don't think we've figured that out where all we are but definitely on apple music and spotify we really do appreciate all the feedback um that we get from you guys it kind of helps us figure out what you guys like what you don't like so make sure to definitely leave us good reviews and we we can take that into consideration thank you again mostly mostly so i can go into the boss's office next year and be like look (laughs) Look, I need to I need to do this more. Yes, exactly. Thank you again to UTSA head coach Jeff Trailer for joining us this week. For Ishmael Johnson and Mike Craven, I'm Mallory Hartley. We'll talk to you guys next week on the Republic of Football.